This week on Indivisible Westchester, the podcast. Healthcare workers on the front lines of fighting the coronavirus pandemic are suffering from a severe shortage of medical equipment, especially masks. We talked to one Indivisible member who is organizing a massive mask-making effort, one stitch at a time. Jean He from Ameranek Indivisible joins me over the phone. Jean, it's so nice to talk to you today. How are you doing? I'm doing well, or lonely, but well, I guess, like all of us. Yes, like all of us indeed. Jean, you helped start an effort called Sew for New York, which originated right here in Westchester, and of course, we're one of the places most impacted by the coronavirus. Can you tell us a little bit about what Sew for New York does? Well, so for New York uh, started as an idea that I got when I was um, looking at mask-making groups that have just been sprouting up like mushrooms all over New York. I, I saw that there was a lot of replicated effort, and I felt that what we needed is a website that would connect a supply with demand. Um, we have some hospitals running around asking every group to make masks for them, and some other um, uh, health centers and, and so forth that need uh, supplies and don't know how to get them. So that was my initial idea is we'll, we'll connect supply with demand. And then I also found that group leader, group coordinators were having to send, you know, 10 to 18 questions to onboard every volunteer. Um, you know, they would have to find out where the volunteer was located, could they cut material, did they know how to sew? Did they have a sewing machine? So they're the same questions that they had to ask again and again. Um, and they were doing the best they could in these uh, Facebook groups, which is where you'll find most of the groups. Um, but it was, you know, it takes a lot of time that could be spent in sewing or, you know, doing other other things. Um, so, so what I do, um, the, the scope of the website is growing, but one service that I provide to group coordinators is there's just a web form where a volunteer from anywhere, but most especially New York, can go in. They can answer a series of questions about the ways that they'd like to volunteer, and then they will get funneled to a group leader local to them, and and we send a spreadsheet with this information to the group leader so they don't have to just collect all the information. And then on the other end, we collect information from a hospital um, who need supplies. So, um, and sort of as a, as a side project, we also found that there, um, through volunteer work that I do, uh, have done with refugee groups, uh, there are a lot of refugee seamstresses mm. who have no work at this time, and um, they were willing to volunteer their time to sew masks, but of course they, you know, they're very short of funds, they're thrown out of work like everybody else. Um, and so I, we also have been directing people who can't sew, they can't cut, they don't, you know, or they, they're not crafty, but they want to help, they can donate to, uh, to Neighbors for Refugees, and we're also onboarding some other refugee groups, um, so, and to, uh, to sew masks, uh, during this time and give a little bit of money to support the, uh, the folks who are, who are helping us out. Wow. So, so Jean... So, we, so there's, there's a lot going on, and, and you know, it, it, it's a very... Um, but basically, supply and demand. We're right. Connecting you guys. 
Right. So, so tell me, I know there's yeah. been a lot in the news about masks and a shortage of masks. What kind of masks are you making? What different kinds and what kind of needs are you finding are out there by different organizations? You talked a bit, a little bit about that, but can you expand? Well, what is happening is uh, it's, it's well known now that New York hospitals and uh, health centers are just, um, they're on the last legs with respect to uh, uh, personal protection equipment. I think that's what PPE means. And, um, and this is terrible that, our, that our, our, our healthcare providers can't protect themselves. In fact, some of them have already been dying in New York City, and it's, it's tragic and un- unnecessary. Uh, so unfortunately, we, um, we so we're making cloth masks, and they're best used to be used as covers, covers over the famous N95 filter masks that are that are best. And this will help them last longer, because if you have a cloth mask on and you get splashed by something itchy or whatever, or you touch your mask by mistake, then you can just change your mask, I mean your cloth mask cover and put a new one on. And that means that you can reuse your, your N95 for a longer time. And the same thing with, with the surgical mask, masks for your lower risk um, applications. Um, and then of course there are, there are uh, people who have um, smaller offices, uh, small and large offices that have no masks at all left. And then I guess they're stuck with the cloth ones, which are supposedly between 50 to 70 percent effective. Mm-hmm. Your your uh, your factory made one, you know, this sort of uh, will will filter out 97 percent of the viral particles the size of of the COVID 19 virus. But the uh, studies have been done at, uh, a few years ago. I think when the H1N1 virus was going around, and they found that you can it's better than nothing. Right. So we that's where we're stepping in. So, Jean, if I know how to sew and I want to volunteer, what do I know? What do I need to get started? Then, do you need a sewing machine? Um, Can you do other, or even I guess if you don't sew, are there other tasks that you could do uh, for the effort that are helpful? Tell me about that. Yes. Yeah, so, um, usually, one, on, on our on our volunteer form, we'll ask if somebody can cut, if they know how to sew, if they don't have a sewing machine. They can ask to borrow one. Many, many people have sewing machines, but for some reason don't know how to sew or don't remember. That sounds um, like me. <laughs> so, they, so they will, they will, they will lend them. <laughs> yes, yeah, so they will lend them. And uh, other, there's, there's actually a need for drivers. People, uh, because a lot of people are, you know, self-isolating. So they'll kind of, you know, they can put an envelope out. And what we need is somebody to go around with, you know, gloves and such, and and pick them up and drop them off at a central point. Also, we need people who um, will serve as hubs. So basically, you need two or three big plastic tubs uh, you know, in front of your house or your building where you can keep an eye on them. Uh, so people have to be willing to host a, a hub. We need help with the website. We need help uh, coordinating their um, help calling hospitals and counseling them because a lot of times, the healthcare centers really don't know what kind of models of masks they want or how they'll use them. They have no plans to sterilize them, launder them, or train people to use them. I mean, it's not rocket science to use a cloth mask, but you know, you need probably about ten minutes of explanation uh, of how to 
how and when to use them. So a lot of opportunities for people to help. And also, it, well, right now, we the demand for cloth masks is just far outreaching our ability to sew. Hmm. Um, you, you can, uh, somebody who sews well can sew a mask in about 10 minutes. Uh, usually they're very simple to cut out, uh, like a rectangle. But uh, hospitals need thousands of them. Hmm. And I think that this need will, the, the worst need will continue for a couple of weeks at least. I, I'm in contact with sort of light manufacturers who I think will be able to get rolling in a couple of weeks. But until then, there's going to be a dire need. And then after that, the bigger hospitals may, will probably be first on the list, but will still need masks for smaller community health centers, homeless shelters, uh, you know, regular doctors' offices, policemen, postal workers, uh, grocery workers. So I think there's still going to be quite a role for volunteer-made cloth masks until, you know, I guess we could start getting container ships of PPE from China or wherever. Right. So, Jean, yeah. it, where where do you find materials? Like, what kind of materials are we talking about? And is there, especially if, you know, you're confined to your house and not going out, do you have any resources for where you find materials? Yes. Um, so what we need is usually uh, we need cotton or I, some people say cotton blend is okay, but usually cotton tightly woven materials like twills. So 400 count sheets are great. Mm. Um, the allergy pillowcases and, and mattress covers are like the best. That's, that would be fantastic. Uh, but otherwise, people are using denim. I think dish towels have been used. You need to try to use clean ones. And uh, sometimes even uh, T-shirts, uh, T-shirt cloth. But, you know, generally you want a tight weave, and you need at least two or possibly three layers, but it has to be breathable and comfortable. Right. And you need, el you need elastic and thread, of course. Right. So and, so, and yeah, and one more thing. Sometimes for nose piece, uh, sometimes some models use a nose piece, and you can use pipe cleaners, but they have to be able, they rust when washed, so they have to be able to take them in and out. Or those, you know, those little uh, bread bag, double wire, uh, enclosed, like a twist. They're not twists. They're like clips. Right. Things like that. Or, or the, the things that come with coffee bags. So yes, you can definitely find these materials at home. So you can source these things at home. So how many people yeah. do you guesstimate are involved with this effort? How many how many volunteers and how many organizations? I in New York alone, I mean this this kind of it's kind of like it's bigger bigger than indivisible, I have to say. So I mm -hmm. think that there must be a group in almost every every community and there like where where I am in, in Larchmont and Maranek area, there are hundreds of people sewing or at least people who have signed up to sew. Not that doesn't always happen. Mm -hmm. So that's great. So it's and also I think yeah, so so it's 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 quite a uh, you know, it's quite an endeavor. But I don't know how long this can last because as you pointed out, it's material. Right. And so I think eventually we're hoping that um, that the hospitals or whoever is receiving them can somehow pay for you know bottles of cloth to be shipped to to 
good coordinators and so forth. So I love this line on your website where you say, separated but together, we hope to save lives one stitch at a time. That's great. Well, that's about it, isn't it, though? A lot of people look at themselves and say, I, I, I feel so helpless, what can I do? But you just have to do what you can. This effort strikes me as being also very much in the spirit of Indivisible. It's grassroots. It's really about community building. What has the organizing taught you about making this a success? Well, I think I it, it does. It is very much related to what I've been doing with Indivisible for three years. I think I have a lot of confidence in just reaching out to strangers now and asking them to help me right. um, or help 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 them help themselves. Uh, not surprisingly, a lot of people who were in Indivisible or who are activists were the first ones to jump on the bandwagon. And, uh, or not that, they made the bandwagon and other people mm -hmm. jumped on it. Right. So um, they, uh, and they had the networks. So, and they're mostly, uh, they are mostly women, although we do have, uh, we do have a number of men, especially making uh, very interestingly fabricating face shields and filters. Huh. So that's a really interesting parallel effort that's been going on, which for whatever reason is, is mainly men, but it's really nice. Uh -huh. So, so um, I, I think um, the, the structure is very familiar to me because you have all these people coming up from nowhere, from the grassroots, and asking us, how can we help? And uh, that's, that's very familiar to me from, from helping coordinate the Marinette Marin Indivisible. Yes. So, Jean, if, if I'm listening to this and I want to help, where do I find out more? How do I get involved? Well, there are a lot of avenues, but, of course, my website, I'm trying to, um, to help people find their groups and find their local hospitals. So one way you can do it is go to my website. It's so4ny.org, S-E-W, F-O-R-N-Y dot org. Or another thing is that if you have a community health center or hospital nearby, you can, you should reach out to them or if you know some nurses and find out what they need. Um, on my website, there is there are resources to help you start your own group. So there's an organizer sample packet uh, that you can use as a guide for starting your own group. And, uh, you know, you can reach out to your, your house of worship or your, your, your PTA or, you know, anywhere where there are people who've been working together and uh, see if they would like to self-organize into a, into a mass-making group. Wonderful. Jean He, thank you so much for joining us today. Best of luck with this effort. We will put links um, to the website on our website and, um, you know, hope you much continued success. You're really doing some important work helping people out and providing services, much needed medical supplies during this um, crisis. So thank you so much for your efforts. Thank you, Shannon. Thanks for helping get the word out. Thanks for listening to Indivisible Westchester, the podcast, proud member of the Demcast Network. Find us online at indivisiblewestchester.org, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Stay safe and be well.